Welcome to the Board of Education, where troublemakers and system breakers gather to discuss how they are dismantling inequity in public education. Calling our meeting to order is Chairman of the Board, Jonathan Santos-Silva. What up, what up? What up? Man, it's good to see you, Doc. My name is Jonathan Santos-Silva. I'm here with my main man, Doc Miller, and this is the Board of Ed. What's going on, man? Uh, You know, I am just living my life, going out here, trying to help some kids, uh just you know recording episodes of this podcast which i'm absolutely loving this season because we get to talk about our little humans like Mm -hmm. i'm in it to win it man i love that i love that no i'm i'm with you um it's season one you know it will always be special because it was the first but you know this one is awesome i love that we're talking about we're centering young people as humans as full humans and we've got awesome guests each episode so far that just keep bringing it you know they're 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 standing on the shoulders of the giants of season one and they're creating their own awesome legacies of of learnings and understandings for us and really pushing us to take our practices whatever role we have to another level i'm loving it i think the thing that has that i've enjoyed this season so far the most is this idea of reimagining schools is to what they should be right like Hmm. Ultimately, schools are in service of kids. Yes. And kids are human beings with needs that that sometimes the system just wasn't built to provide. And our guests this year have been innovative. They've been creative. Uh, they've been like system breakers a lot of mm. the times. Where mm-hmm. They're going, we're not going to do it that that way. Right. Um, so if you haven't, if you're not caught up with the season thus far please visit theboardofed.com. That's the B-O-R-E-D of ed.com. You can also see us uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the underscore board of ed. That's B-O-R-E-D. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn, the board of ed. Uh, So all of the, you can get all the episodes on your favorite podcast, uh, probably where you're listening to this one. Uh, (laughs) But you don't have to listen to them in order, uh, but if you haven't listened to all the ones this season, you have missed a ton. And I hope you, I hope you enjoy getting caught up. Mm, yeah. And if you have been listening, well, to Doc's point, you know how awesome our guests have been, how fortunate we've had to invite them to be members of the board. I mean, I don't think today's any different. We've got a really special guest. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep because he's going to do a really great job introducing himself. But Mr. Angelo Garcia is the founder of Segway Institute for Learning and, uh, I like to call him Pops because he's been like a mentor to me in the education space. So I'm going to let Pops do his thing. Uh, my name is Angelo Garcia. Buenas noches. Me llamo Angelo Garcia. Um, uh, uh, soy el director y fundador de la Escuela Segway en la ciudad de Central Falls en el estado de Rhode Island. I am the founder and head of school of the Segway Institute for Learning in Central Falls, uh, Rhode Island. Um, we have been open for about, uh, we're going on our 13th year already. Um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, started out as a middle school and have um, opened up to a K through eight uh, model. Um, more than just a school, we offer a wide variety of services and programs for families. Uh, we have a very active family engagement committee. Um, our school has a strong undercurrent of civic engagement and civic duty and uh, teaching our children how to be citizens and stewards of change. Uh, so we're really, really lucky um, to have uh, great parents and great uh, kids and great staff. Hmm. Um, 
our uh, the conversation we're having this season, Mr. Garcia, is all about how we make schools more human. And a lot of the conversation is kind of like set up in response to the pandemic, like all the things we've learned when school couldn't go on, quote unquote, as normal, that we realized like, well, this is actually better for kids, right? Like checking in on kids and their how they're feeling before we get to academic, that's actually a good thing, right? Not always test, test, test. Um, that being said, I, I feel like this is not a new thing for Segway. I have been fortunate to know you and the school for a little bit. Of, and it feels like you guys are doing school, you know, making school human before that was a thing. Can you tell us just for the, you know, our listeners, can you share a little bit of the history? What brought a social worker into the field of education to start a school that's really so much more than a school? Where did this all come from? I think, um, you know, having grown up in this community and having been uh, one of the first Hispanic families in Central Falls back in the 70s, and now I'm dating myself, but late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, we, um, our family moved into an environment that, that, that didn't recognize us, but saw us as intruders into a space that was not our own. And so in my mother's quest to make a good life for her children, she found she she embedded us or injected us in a space that was not ours and pretty much told us, you know, deal with it, fend for yourselves. And that, that experience in this very community. So, I, you know, I, find, I tell people that it's really ironic that I run a charter school that's a full service community school out of a building that I myself as a child was not welcomed in. You know, and so I've, how profound that is. Um, and it wasn't intentional um, racism, I don't believe. I, I, I think it's what people knew. I think it was what was being taught in school and, and, and the fact that, 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 that people were not um, exposed to different cultures and, and families and, and different lifestyles or, and so I, I, you know, we were we were fending for ourselves, and I was called a whole bunch of names. I I, I remember telling my classmates, I, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, and they would say, "Well, you're Portuguese," and I would say, "No, no, I, my family's from Puerto Rico," and they they'd be like, "No, so you're Portuguese." I'm like, no, no, and it got to a point where I was just like, "Okay, I'm Portuguese, leave it alone." <laughs> um, but even with that, you know. Um, I, I have seen the, 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 the change in our community. And even though the population has shifted, the level of acceptance for that Latino population hasn't. You know, the level of, you know, you know we still get the, oh, they're good kids for, you know, CCF kids, or wow, your kids are really, you know, um, well-mannered for Central Falls or, you know, kids of color. Um, but you know, fast forward after high school and, and, and then college, I came back to work for the city and I ran a, a, a substance abuse prevention program and youth development that then morphed into family services. And we had a huge staff and about a million plus operating budget of which we got no money from the city. We were a department of the city, but we were required to find our own funding, which right there tells you that that institution doesn't value or didn't value the work that we were all doing. Um, I was very fortunate to be asked to serve on the Central Falls Board of Trustees. And that 
really opened my eyes to the inequities and injustices of what was going on in our education system for kids of color and poor kids and kids who didn't have a choice and and, and the difference between that and families who could afford a St. Ray's or a LaSalle and the quality of education those children were getting because they were paying for it, right? Because they were getting it, they were getting it because someone could write a check or they were good at sports or or whatever. So, um, you know, I saw that. And then I, I, I saw that there was no resolve to it other than kids get used to what you, what the little that you have, you know, as my mother used to say, lo poco que nos dan, we're satisfied with that, right? So, you know, you get what you get and you don't complain. And, and I wanted people to start thinking differently and shifting that mindset of, no, my children deserve more. I deserve more. We did our homework. I, I, I remember coming to work one day at the office when I was working for the city. And I said, we're opening a school. There's nobody doing for our kids what needs to be done. There's nobody asking our kids what they want. There's nobody talking to our parents. But even before they start talking to our parents, there's nobody educating our families about the education system and the equity that, that they should demand and pound their fist on a table and say, no, my child deserves what their counterparts are getting in other parts of the state who are more affluent. Um, and, and I have to tell you, and I've said this to you before, the biggest opposition to our charter school were people of color because they had become um, you know, systemically morphed into the Borg and they were comfortable. And because they could straighten their hair or conjugate verbs, they were happy being that token in those predominantly white, you know, um, caucuses. And I remember looking at people and saying, was, wait a minute, you should be outraged as a person of color sitting at the table at the Department of Education or on the school board. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, look how lucky we are. We have representation. You're being given that platform to really, really blow the walls right out. And that was just not a popular thing at all, um, at all, right? So, you know, uh, among, um, you know, a lot of hostility that was put towards us, we spent two and a half years lobbying to get our school open. And we were not gonna get a school. We were told point blank, you, you know, you don't know how to educate children. You know, education in Rhode Island is the job of a, white woman from Rhode Island College or a white man from Brown University. Those are the people that teach our children. And I was like, bump that, that's not gonna happen. And I armed people with torches and we took Uncle Pico's van <laughs> and we stormed the castle. And we stormed the castle so much that when they saw us coming, they would close the doors, you know? And um, we did not go away. And you know, there's a lot, I, you know, if I can editorialize, there's a lot of regret there for me because I didn't make friends as you know, this wasn't opening segue was not a positive experience. It has been a blessing and a labor of love, but it was not a positive experience. We were ostracized people, you know, harassed my children, like people, you know, this is a small community. So, you know, everybody, right. And, you know, people that I had known for a long time when I worked for the city, they turned on us. They stopped talking to us because we wanted to open a charter school and charter schools take money away from the traditional district. And how dare we tell parents that they can go into an IEP meeting and demand blah, 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 blah. Um, but that didn't stop us. And it was exhausting and it took a toll. It actually took a toll. It took a toll on relationships. 
it took a toll on my parenting because I dedicated my life to it. Um, and I'm very, very fortunate to still be standing, but you know, there were there was a lot of collateral damage along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we worked with entire mayoral administrations who have not supported our school, who were people of color or Latinos who didn't want to stand too close to us because then that would alienate them from the system that's, you know, will make them the next city council person or the next lieutenant governor or the next, you know. I'm always amazed when I'm at places and people come up to me and say, oh, I love your school. And I want to say, dude, (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get you to sign a thing that said, you know, we want to open a school. And now you're like, oh, this is Angelo Garcia. He runs one of the best schools in the state. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And so my problem is that I remember people when they used to hold their pants up with a zipper, you know, the zipper with the safety pin. So I call Mm -hmm. them out on it. I call (laughs) them out on it, you know, um, because we need to do that so that our parents, that, that opens that door wider, you know, for parents to, to move, the, to, to, to infiltrate. And it, it's amazing that now at the Department of Education, we have folks of color who are representing, but they're representing in a completely different way. You know, they're, de- they're representing in a completely different way. There's nothing about empowerment. There's nothing about education. It's all about anger. It's all about outrage, which there is room for that. And there needs to be that. But we also have to approach this, you know, I liken it to my weight loss or weight gain. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while to get there. And we've got to make the room to allow ourselves to be humbled when we're in front of other people. And we still hold on to that. You know, I tell my staff, unless you're a little bit pissed, don't come to work. You know, you got to be a little bit angry for our kids every day. You know, if, if, if you're feeling like, yep, our kids have made it and we don't have to intervene, then you need to go find a place that will, you know, spark that up again, because we put that fire in our kids every single day. I remind my kids in two languages. So you, they know when Mr. Garcia starts to talk in Spanish and I call them by the middle name, Mira, ven aquí. they know, oh, <laughs> it's going down. It's going down. They look for the chancleta, you know, they're like, oh man. <laughs> Um, but we do that. We have to do that. We will always continue. That will always be our school. I, I don't know if I want Mr. Garcia calling <laughs> by my middle name or not. Like, like I know it means that he cares, but that sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, it reminds, when talking, I'm like, no, not the chancleta. He made me think of my grandmother. There's a story. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like there's a story my dad told me growing up about how one time my uncle, one of my uncle's got it in his mind that he was grown enough to tell my grandmother he, what he wasn't going to do. And then he started like leaving and she told him not to leave and he kept walking away and she picked up the chancleta and threw it at his back. And it, it she must've hit him just right in the spine and he just hit the ground. So I just, when Mr. Garcia says that, I'm like, oh, he's going old school grandma on these kids, man. Don't hit him though. For, for the record, the official podcast, the official position of our podcast is never say no to your grandmother like that, that <laughs> is, is, is the company line you know there's a lot of conversations going on about um uh, about uh, systemic and, and institutional racism and we have a lot of of folks in the educational space that are afraid to talk about it now and a lot of people are talking about it as a in the past tense right? Like, we don't need to talk about that. That's not the way it is anymore. That's inaccurate, right? 
it is very much a current uh, a mm-hmm. current uh, situation. It's a current environment for all of our schools and for our kids. Um, and it's not a theory. This, this is happening. This is, this is the experience our kids and families and teachers are, are living with. Right. And I think the important thing to remember is that because we can point to a moment when it was worse, mm-hmm. it doesn't in any way invalidate that it may not be as good as we want. Right. Like the, I, those things can live together. Right. That mm-hmm. we've made progress. It is better. And yet it's not quite as good as we hope. And it's not as far as we need to go to create environments that work for every child yep. and for every family. Yeah, it's it's the analogy that often that often I use when when, when talking about um, that very topic is the idea of pay equity, right? Like, you know, years ago women were paid seventy seven cents to the dollar, and now we're up to like eighty two, and people are like, "Well, you should be happy with eighty two. It's like, no, give me my other eighteen cents. Like, like <laughs> I don't I don't have to be like I can be um, glad that we've made progress and still upset that it's not where it should be. Right. And, and, and to drive into that point a little further, we can be grateful for what's um, the improvement mm-hmm. and still lament the fact that there's lost, we've lost years, mm-hmm. you know, at 77 cents that, that some of these women, if they're later in their career, will never make up. And it's the same thing with education. We could address things. And even if we could uh, wave the wand and make it equitable now, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And yet we would still need to do some healing on what's been missed, right? And so, you know- And I think that's I... exactly what, what Angelo was trying to do, a segue, um, and Cooper, my little dog agrees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's right. That's right, preach. Um, but w- what I think is important is to understand how is segue different? You know, for us, it is about in creating an environment that our children feel like they're honored and they're listened to, our parents feel like they're part of the equation. I don't call parents anymore and tell them, this is what your child is doing wrong. I call parents now and say, dude, I need your help. You know, mm-hmm. the, your child is acting in this way. What's going on at home? Can we help you? Can we help them? Because we're all in it together. You know, um, at the end of the day, you know, one of the most um, telling things that ha- has happened to me as a school leader is I struggled with a student a couple of years ago and was a female and she was just, she had daggers in her eyes for me. And I remember just giving her a really, really hard time. And I finally got a chance to interface with her mom. And she said, Mr. Garcia, you're her dad. There's no other man in her life. So all that anger, she's gonna put it right at you because that's the role of a dad. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it's beautiful and it's a challenge and it puts a lot of pressure. Um, but, you know, I think that speaks to who you are and also what Segway is. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the history. The school itself, you know, is different. You know, I remember when I first showed up to Segway, I don't know how many years ago, and you pointed, you, you took me around and you said, and that building right there, we want it. Yeah. And then, you know, again, not a lot of support. It didn't, no one made it easy for you, but eventually you acquired this building, which is, I believe you all called the annex now. Yeah. Well, it's now the middle, it's now the middle school because we have so many grades. (laughs) 
And then the other building is the elementary school. And then we bought a building across the street and we leveled it. And now we're putting modulars there because we want to do a parent university building for our families as a sort of a parent resource. So, you know, we want to start thinking about that full circle trajectory right. because it's not only about building kids academic strengths, but it's about building the economy of households mm. and making those parents feel like there's that space that just is theirs that, you know, um, we pride ourselves in parents coming to school, but no kid wants to see their parent in school, right? <laughs> you don't want to see your mom at the cafeteria, but there's a space now that they can have that will be theirs. They're designing it. They're, you know, the, the food pantry will come out of it. The, the courses that we're going to be offering uh, with partnerships through the through Dorcas Place, through Around Parent Information Network, all of that is going to be happening in that space. And we think in the next six months, it'll be completed. So and it's incredible. I mean, I'm not surprised because I was like, if someone can do it, it's going to be segue. It's going to be right. Mr. Garcia, but it's incredible. What are some of the other intentional like design? Well, I, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to put intentional because I'm sure some of this stuff is like you said, you tried something. Whoa, whoa, this is amazing. We got to do more of it. But what are some of the design elements of Segway that make it fundamentally different than almost anywhere else? I guess in, in particular, it's like, what are the parts that make this school the answer to what you were looking for all those years back when you were like, we need a school? Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the social, with the, the balance of social, emotional and wellness that, um, that is, it is just as balanced with academics for us. So there are a lot of, there's a lot of circling up at school and there's a lot of, hey, how are you doing? A lot of check-ins. We start every single morning with what we call advi our advisory program or morning meeting. And, and that is just a check-in. That is just like, hey, what are you doing? How's it going? Um, we, we have been really, really, really lucky that kids have, that kids, you know, kids come to school on time just so that they can find their advisory and talk about their weekend or, you know, my cousin, you know, you got shot or any, you name it, right? And they, that's where they just, right? That, that's where they do that, right? It's the, it's the verbal vomit of the weekend because they have thought about where can I share what's going on? And so, and then, and then that also helps us to add to the story of the child and what they don't see is while they're moving around buildings in our schools, so is their story, right? So a child comes in in the morning and shares something and immediately that advisor is texting or G-chatting the school social worker, right? Or immediately someone is, is you know, they're, they're, they're reaching out to our behavior specialist and that child doesn't know before they even get to the next class that there's someone there that's saying, hey, you know, I, I, can I check in with you? Can I check in with you and just see how you're doing? Um, because I think that that's also, and, and, and then kids are kind of like, yeah, sure, I can tell you what's going on. I think that that has been a lot of, that has really helped us to see our children, to, to learn that they're humans with their own issues. You know, growing up Hispanic, mom was like, tu tienes una cama, tu tienes comida, what are your problems? You have no issues. You know, yo no te pego. Like, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, kids in Puerto Rico have to share a hut with no electricity. You know, like, you know, we got one cable channel, but you got cable, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I think a lot of us culturally don't recognize that children have their own angst 
And, you know, social media has not helped that at all. Um, and so we give the kids the platform to just, you know, to express their fear, express their anger, express who they are. And that's part of the school day. You know, that, that's literally part of the school day. We will circle up with kids and be like, okay, time out. You know, you need to learn math, but we got to deal with this situation right now so that you can focus, you know, food. Something as simple as breaking bread with kids has become for us, you know, um, more, it, you know it, it's more than just nutrition, right? It is the opportunity to be vulnerable, to sit with a group of your peers. You know, middle school kids, they're, they don't like to eat. Everything is gross, blah, 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 blah. But they come to school and they, they have their breakfast with their peers. They talk about their problems. They talk about the great things that are happening. And just as simple of putting, you know, a, a, a blueberry muffin and a thing of juice in front of them just breaks down that, you know, we're vulnerable, right? We're vulnerable when we're doing that, right? Um, and so I think that for us, it really, really has helped to make, you know, it's those things. It's the, um, it's the, um, the issues that we uh, see that come out of, um, you know, things like girl talk and boy talk, that it, that's an actual period, right? Like, you know, we're, we're trying to find more gender fluid names for them, but, you know, we've, we've done a lot of teen, you know, screen teen talk where, you know, that's, that's embedded in throughout the day, right? It's not just like, oh, if you want to talk, you come after school and you sit in this room in the basement, you know, that's part of the day um, that we, we uh, incorporate that. And so that, you know, again, kids, kids feel like they have that, um, that space. I really love that idea of creating intentional, um, unique spaces for young people um, to talk through, to grapple with, you know, the different issues in their lives, you know, because it's, you know, so often the, 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 the urgency and, and like, I, I want to, you know, acknowledge the urgency that drives so many great educators, right? Like we don't have a lot of time to waste, you know, our kids deserve our best at all times. But I think that sometimes that can go too far. And then times like this, like a boy talk or girl talk or, you know, whatever it's going to be called is like, well, that's not academic. We don't have time for it, but it like can sometimes remove the barriers that allow yep. children to show up fully. So I just really appreciate that they've made the time for young people to explore those issues. We, we see a lot on social media. People talk about Maslow before blooms. Right. And, and if, if for those of you, the, the listeners who aren't in, engaged in, in you know, academic spaces, you know, the, Maslow's hierarchy of need are the things that we need to, to be a person, right? Like you can't learn if you don't feel safe. If, if your physical being is not attended to, then, then no learning is going to happen. Um, but there are other needs as well. You know, you have physical needs, you have uh, social needs and emotional needs. And so I, I think one thing that, that, that schools have historically not done well is attended to those components, right? We schools live in this sort of self-actualization world where you're assuming every kid is coming in with a full belly, a mm -hmm. full heart, um, really well rested. Like, like we assume that that's happening in a world where we know that it's not. And so, the idea that we're using what is traditionally academic time to address those needs is in service of academics, right? Right. 
if, if it means I need to spend an extra 15 minutes a day giving kids breakfast so that they can learn math better, right. Then, then that's a fit. That's 15 minutes well spent. Yeah. It, you know, it, two things that I th- it makes me think about one is there was like probably, I don't know, a parenting meme or something about how, like, you know, you know, as parents, sometimes we get on our kids about, Hey, you know, when they have a bad day, you know, they get up on the wrong side of the bed and we don't, we don't, you know, change your attitude, young man, or Mr. You know, little Missy or whatever. We get all on them. Ignoring the fact that as adults, we have rough days and it feels sometimes like it's really hard to turn the ship around. Like unintended, unintentionally, we have these, you know, sky high expectations for kids to be able to deal with their frustrations, deal with their emotions, deal with whatever's bothering them. And we want them to handle it better than we even do. So that's the first part of that, right? Second part of that is that I appreciate that they're making the spaces for kids and that like, what do you call it? Screen, screen talk, right? Like it makes me think of when I was a principal, every so often we would, you know, we would have, um, uh, what do you call it? Like all school meetings, mm-hmm. but every so often we would turn them into um, uh, Twitter chats because not all the kids that we had were really all, all about getting in front of everyone. And, hey, Man, he's into this today. I know Cooper's um, all about this episode. <laughs> hey, man, we want to just acknowledge that wherever you're listening from, yeah. you may still be like, you know, deal, you know, dealing with the Delta variant, dealing with whatever's going on in your area. And so sometimes you might have the Zoom meeting where you look like the newscaster with the shirt on top and the shorts on the bottom. So, <laughs> you know, with the dog or the kids running in the background. So we just keeping it real with y'all. Um, but yeah, so the point I was trying to make was we did the Twitter chats. Because for some kids, it was easier to tweet about these difficult topics yeah. than it was to voice them. And so I just want to give kudos to not only Mr. Garcia, but to all the educators who are creating calm corners and conversation spaces and, you know, all kinds of uh, opportunities for young people to, to, to tackle these issues with them. And I also think the one thing that he mentioned, and we didn't spend, y'all didn't spend a ton of time on it, was the intentionality around bringing parents into the space of education, you know, a lot of parents, I, I, you know, I, I don't have kids, but I know in my experience as an educator, there were times where you saw teachers as a barrier to getting your job done when in fact they are an amazing asset uh, and, and will, will ultimately help us all do our, our jobs better. And, and I think um, Angelo is really leveraging, uh, leveraging that, uh, all the things that parents bring to the table. The other thing that, that I think Segway uh, can teach us a lot about is what it means to be a teacher and what it requires. And so I'm interested at, at how he approaches uh, not only hiring and finding teachers, but also supporting the ones uh, that Segway has. And I've always maintained that what you don't know when you come to work at Segway, we can teach you. What you don't have, I can't give you. If it's not in your soul, if it's not in your spirit to look at children and go, I love these children, then then I can't teach that to you. You know, the the you have to be able to have that innate quality to see good and success and potential in children. I can teach you how to plan a lesson. I can teach you how to do an evaluation on a rubric with kids. That's all teachable. But if you come to school raw and you're open to, you know, these kids are gonna be successful, 
These kids are going to be amazing. They're going to be my top-notch priority. Um, you're, you're in. We just hired a teacher straight out of college, straight out of college. But the energy that she came into a room with, I mean, she was like dropping paper and like, oh my gosh, I think I parked my car. I left it running. Um, you know, she was a hot mess. <laughs> but the way she spoke about loving children and being you know, and just being a, a, a presence, uh, having how that feeds her spirit, that energy of children. And I was like, we gotta hire her. We do something at Segway called the golden buzzer. So if we're doing interviews, we text each other. We're like, golden buzzer, golden buzzer. Like America's Got Talent, we just hit the buzzer and say, you got a job. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's energy, that's good energy. And we need, we need that in schools. We need that in schools now more than ever. Yep. I think the other side of that is that we can't just give insomnia cookies to staff. You have to validate them. You've got to pay them. You have to give them hazard pay when you can. You've got to send them home early on a PD day if you can, because I beat the living crap out of my staff. And then I pour them in a glass and I send them home and I tell them, come back tomorrow, you know, and do it again. So you, people have to feel validated. They have to feel like what they're doing it making a difference. Very, very rarely at Segway do we make administrative decisions without staff input. Very, very, very rarely. I had recently a, um, a woman who worked at a charter school who's been with me for two years say, you know, Mr. Garcia, I worked at a charter school and I never saw the administrator. I never, I, ne I, I you know, I, we, some of the kids thought the behavior person was the principal, you know? Um, and, and, and for me, I, um, I'm in classrooms, I'm at recess, I'm at lunch, you know, I'm, I'm bopping in every single day to people are like, oh, here he comes, you know, look busy. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I also think that, you know, we've got to give people their, we've got to allow them to be professionals, we've got to value them, you know. This year, as we went through our renewal, I mean, our expansion process to add kindergarten, I got really humbled by just listening to stories of teachers just in this district, you know? You know, I, I poo-poo the union a lot and I talk smack about people, but there are people who are really, really trying really, really hard, but they're not given any airplay. Mm. They're not being respected as teachers. They're not being respected as professionals, right? They're just not. And, and, you know, we've got to do that to teachers. We can't kick them in the teeth all day, every day. You know, we've got to give them their due. And we try, we try very hard at Segway to do that. And it, it, goes, um, it goes so far when you, you know, when you recognize people for their work or you, like I said, you, you, you say to everybody, okay, today at 10 o'clock, you know, we're going to, have coffee in the cafeteria and bagels for everybody. We'll get find, find people to cover classrooms and just recognizing them for that. Just, you know, that kind of stuff, I think, is something that people go, wow, you know, this guy's paying attention. You know, um, I have totally stopped asking people to do stuff after hours at school unless we're paying them a lot, like a lot. So I'll write a grant and say, if you want us to do this, so you got to pay our teachers significant amount of money if they want to stay away from their families after hours if they're to work nights and work on weekends that's not a given it's not a given we can't take mm -hmm. advantage of people you know that way um nobody's getting you know corporate sharing at segway right <laughs> really you know, that's, you know? 
No, it's so true, and it and it's it it seems simple, but it's like I can't. I mean, if you if if you have not worked in some of the 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 charter schools or even even in the traditional setting, but like especially in like some of the no excuses, high expectations charter, like then that maybe doesn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't you pay people extra? Like, but there's like uh, ways that schools will make you feel like, well, maybe this isn't a mission fit. If you won't stay after school, after you've already done an extended day. Forget about it. Forget, like, I mean, oh, just, it's just I don't know not, if uh, Mr. Garcia is aligned. You know what I mean? Like they do right, that. Right, right. I mean, think about that. And then think about a person who's been you know, just busting their butts and doing all that they can. And then to be told, oh, you're not coming to parent-teacher conferences, then you know, you have, you know, you're not a team player. You know, that expectation is there at Segway. You have to come to parent and teacher conferences. But we also say to you, you're going home at noon tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll figure the rest of it out. You know, because I, I recognize that the people who have been with me the longest, 11, 12 years at Segway, they're married, they have little ones, they have spouses or partners that I'm grateful they share them with us, right? right. But I don't say, oh yeah, you know, we're we're doing a cleanup on Saturday. Everybody's got to work. No, 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 no. no. I, 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 I think it's 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 unrealistic and it's unfair. And schools do it all. They do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that so all of that synergy is kind of, you know, we're in a dryer and it's like a we're all just rolling around in it. But there are pieces of it that I've also in my years of maturing as a school leader have said, no, no, we're going to do it this way. You know, um, with COVID, perfect example, when the state was like, you know, we have all this money to give you. And we're like, yep, we want it. We'll take all of it. But I am only taking it if you know that I'm going to take some of that money and I'm going to parcel it out and I'm going to write checks and everybody's going to get one on Friday mm -hmm. because people worked from home. They, you know, they came into school like there isn't enough money to, to, to validate or compensate for the work that some people did this year. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and they appreciate it. You know, if they get a stipend of a couple hundred dollars, they're like, wow, you know, you just bought me Paris. You know, they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> dude, that's a cable bill and something else. Right. I'm like, here, go buy shoes. Don't tell your husband, you know, like whatever, you know, um, but I, but people, well, that leads to an awkward conversation. Who bought you those? Uh, Mr. Garcia? <laughs> Mr. Garcia. But even that, like, I think that people come back going, wow. Okay. This guy's noticing that we're burning the candle on both ends. I had teachers working this year who had babies, were finishing a second degree, you know, and we're working ridiculous, you know, mm. in-person, online combination, you know, that's another thing I think we do really well. You know, if you want to get a degree, we'll pay for it. You know, you want to go back and get your bachelor's, or you want to get your um, ELL certification, we're going to pay for it. Mm. Because, you know, we don't pay you enough as it is. So, you know, let us help you with that. Let us let us help you find the money to pay for some of those courses. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there have been times when people show up to work with two kids and like, you know, my babysitter canceled. So I'm like, all right, put them in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> put them in the gym, you know, or, oh, or take, you know, take them down to the FEC. Parents want to hold babies. Go ahead. The parents that are down there, they'll hold babies all day. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think about pre-pandemic, how many, you know, barriers we put up to making schools work for the people that worked in them and for the kids that we were serving in them, 
right? Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. That's impossible. And then when COVID shows up and the world is rocked, mm -hmm. all of a sudden we see it unlocking the creativity and the compassion of people to solve these simple issues. Like you think about it before, what, <clears throat> how crazy would have been in our mind for a teacher to bring the kid to school, right? Like, oh. what are you bringing your kid to school for? Like, you need to get some care for that. But like, you also think about how, like in a lot of other workspaces where it's not a bunch of kids. Yeah. Not that it happens all the time, yeah. but people do it and they're more, oh, you know what, whatever, had to bring his kid in today, no big deal. Right? But in the school, how, how, how could you? And yeah. so some of these things, they're actually quite simple. Yeah. If you lead with love, right? Like if I love this person and I want them to be successful, what can I do to make this work? Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, our last episode uh, with uh, Kim Neal. Um, she talked about how a lot of the things we've done in the past are, are, are out of fear. Right. So, so sure. The, the, the there's this, this, absurd reality that well if i allow one teacher to do it then every day i'm going to have 40 teachers bringing their kids well <laughs> yeah right no that like that's not that's not the reality just just because we let one person do it doesn't mean it's going to become the norm and um and i think that is something that that prevents us from doing some of our best thinking some of our best responding um is this idea that everything has to be exactly the same for everybody. And, and you know, doing a lot of equity focused work um, outside of the podcast, that is a misnomer that I think we, we need to get around is equal and equitable don't mean the same thing, right? There are times where a kid or a teacher or a parent needs something to, to, to come to the space full on. And it's not something that everyone else needs. You know, that, that makes me think of something that uh, specifically connected to Mr. Garcia. Mm -hmm. You're speaking of, you know, cause the, the equality can get in the way or yeah. this desire for equality gets in the way of equity and then further along to, to justice, to doing what is just right and just for our families. <clears throat> well, why are you going to go over there and meet that parent at home. We didn't meet everyone else's parent at home. Well, not every parent needed to be met at home. Oh. Mr. Garcia told me one time about a, a, a parent who um, was struggling with addiction and was living an unhealthy lifestyle, not in the home, um, but was able to still maintain a healthy relationship with the, her child. And so it was important to him. It was important for the child that his mom knew what was going on at school and wanted her there. And so Mr. Garcia went out and around Central Falls, it's a small city, it's about a square mile, densely packed, went around and found this mom to hand, personally give her an invitation to parent night. And I just think about that, how many times we might've been stopped because we didn't have to drive all over town to find Joey's mom and we didn't have to find Doc's mom. Why do we gotta find this one's mom? But it just felt like the thing he, he needed to do, it was equity. It was giving that mom and that, it was more about the child, but it was giving that student what he or she needed to feel the support of his or her family in the building. I think that's important. Yeah. And, and again, the, the gut reaction to a lot of people are going to go, how do you do that to scale? And the answer is like, it's not, it's, it, it's not the same scale that, that you're, that you're currently thinking of. It's right. It, 
it's it's where the support is is ultimately needed. Um, and so I, I think it's important for us to recognize, you know, equality is giving everybody the exact same thing, but equity is all about providing kids and families and even your teachers with the resources that they individually need. Right. Um, and like that mom, that's what that mom needed to know that she was welcome. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, th- I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think, um, if I can interject, yeah, please, because I think it's important to draw. Did you not just every ask pe- to speak on your own podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's polite, right? But I think, <laughs> you know, I think to your point, the resistance, may, maybe it's coming from a good way. Well, we, how could we do that at scale? The reality is, is the email home or the text, you know, like they have those like group text services now that hits most of the parents you know, or the, the, the paper that gets in the bag that hits another subset of parents. Yep. So not all parents will need it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not that you have, you know, to do it for one means every single parent will need to be found personally, but it, but the systems that we have in place, if they're targeted and calibrated for a community should get, you know, the 70 to 80%. And then we're looking for these small solutions for really the fa- families around the, uh, around the, um, the border, right. Yeah. That maybe need a little extra step you know I'm, I'm now having a little uh, like i'm having a memory of, of something that you know when i was a, a teacher um we we had this ability to, to go to colleagues and say to get class covers right and the school had a system where you know if you if you uh covered a class you get you, you get an hour and if you have five then then you, you can get a day off and get a sub and there were a few folks and so this is goes this story is going the other direction that they just decided to give up every prep period so that they could earn more time off and take more days off. Um, instead of going to those people and go, that's not the, that's not the intent of this policy. And, and we're hoping that you're using your prep time to, to really prep and, and engage kids deeper. They said, we're not doing that anymore. That's gone. And so if you wanted to say, have a doctor's appointment, the only time was the last period of the day. You had to take off a half day. You had to lose an entire half day. And, and they would even go so far as to say, no, you can stay and teach and, and leave the last hour, but you have to take the half day. So literally they were asking you to work for free. And so that kind of response was an e- equality-based response mm-hmm. that ultimately did more harm than good because you ended up having highly qualified teachers taking off instructional time because there was no other option. Right. And so I think that's that's a counter example of this is we make those decisions instead of dealing with the acute symptom, right? We go to those teachers who are abusing that system and go, this is not the intent of the system. Technically, you're not doing anything wrong, but it's not in the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. It's not mission aligned. Mm-hmm. So, and so it goes back to what you said, Kim mm-hmm. Neal said, <clears throat> we're afraid of people are, we're afraid people are using the policy incorrectly. So we're just going to kill it. We're leading with fear. Yep. And one thing I can say about Kim Neal, Kim Possible, mm-hmm. one thing I can say about Pops, you know, Mr. Garcia, they're not afraid. Yeah. They are maybe, you know, there may be a lot of things you, you don't like about their style. Maybe they're too bold for you. Maybe they're too opinionated. Maybe they're too this, that, or the other, but they're not afraid. Yeah. And that leaves me with wanting to know more from Mr. Garcia is like, what advice do we have for folks who want to do something? 
I think visibility is really, really important. I think people have to be present. You can't dictate from an ivory tower. You know, um, it hurts my heart to know that we have people in Rhode Island running charter schools who didn't come to work at all last year, like literally did not show up in their buildings um, because, you know, their schools were closed or, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. I live three minutes away from Segway, um, four minutes if I stop at Dunkin' Donuts, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's my commute. And I complain about it the whole time. You should have seen Dexter Street. It was packed, um, <laughs> you know, um, but you, you have to, people have to see you. They have to see you. Um, they have to see you in your space. They have to see you interacting with kids. They have to see, my staff has seen the best of me and the worst of me. You know, they have, they have seen me have meltdowns. They have seen me go at parents. They have seen, they have seen it all. And I'm unapologetic about it because I'm as human as I can be, you know, when I'm doing that kind of stuff. But if you are an, a school leader or a teacher, you create the space that you want your kids to thrive in. So if that's just a classroom, then you create that space where your children can thrive, where they are recognized and validated and loved. And, you know, I, I give eighth graders, this year's eighth graders, they are, they're a bunch. They're super, super smart, but oh, are they, they're just, no, everything is gay, everything. This is so gay, Mr. Garcia. <laughs> um, oh, <man. laughs> and I have to correct them, but, you know, um, I tell them every day I love them. I tell them every day. It's great. I love you, you know, every single day. And, you know, when they're having those meltdowns, when they're being really uncooperative, when they're not hungry, and then 10 minutes later, they're in my office asking for my own personal lunch. What'd you bring for lunch? Um, because they, don't, they didn't feel like eating when we fed them, but now they want to eat. I tell them every day I love them. And every single day when I do announcements, at the end of the day, I tell children, go home and come back better tomorrow. That's how I sign off every single day with our kids. So you don't have to run a school to create that environment for your children. You can do that in a classroom. You can do that in a cafeteria. You know, we got rid of long tables in our cafeteria because long tables are penitentiary tables. So we eat at round tables and everybody sees everybody and staff eats with kids. You know, we give them their own separate lunch but then you come downstairs and you eat with children too, you know? Um, you know, we, we do that so that our, our kids see us. And, 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 you know, and I think that that for us is where the first part of the, um, where, how that started. So 13 years ago, I didn't know what I know now, right? But I always knew that I wanted to create that space. I always knew that I wanted to have that space for, for my kids and, and, mm. and, and so what, 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 could, what got us there? So we would start really, really small and, and like, you know, start celebrating kids in a small way and, you know, and then create spaces that kids can feel comfortable and safe in. But, you know, I, I also think that people need to find like individuals in their school settings. You know, you, 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 there are, you know, if you're operating in a silo and you're not reaching out to people and saying, look, I want to do this here. I want to create the space. You know, there are there are people who are doing it. There are people who want to do it. And, and you know, I, I love when people come to Segway and walk out of there and are like, wow, why isn't there one of these on every corner? You know, um, 
but it, it's very possible. It doesn't cost money to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it just, you know, we're able to do a lot of what we can do because the logistics of our school, as you know, we start school in August. We're in school eight and a half hours a day, 7.30 to 3.30. You know, it's a long day. And then we have an after school program until five where we feed kids dinner. So you have a 10 year old with a 10 hour day, mm. you know, but that 10 year old might need that 10 hour day. Right. You know, and so that's, and it's not the same people doing it. It's other people who are coming in later so they can stay later. Um, I, I think that that's the key. I think for anyone who, who's listening and is thinking, gosh, that's impossible to do in my school. Nothing is impossible to do. You know, you just gotta, you gotta dig your heels in and do a little bit more research. And, you know, um, I don't, you know, we don't get any more money than the traditional public school district. As a matter of fact, we get less. Right. You know, right. And, and, and I don't have a municipality to go back to if my roof caves in. I'm mm-hmm. on my own to do that. I don't have bond money or I don't have, you know, we still have to pay into the retirement system, uh, you know, although people don't think it, you know, we, we're still held accountable to that, but we just work our money smarter. Yeah. You know, no, that's, appreciate that so much. Um, what about, and I, I hope, do I have, you have like a couple more minutes? Yeah, yeah, I'm just okay. playing tug of war with my dog. Oh, if you see. <laughs> uh, just because it's so good. Um, so that was wonderful advice, I think, for the practitioner. You know, what, like you said, whether at a classroom or at the building, you can do it. You, you know, you got to create your environment wherever you have control. What about, what would you say to, you know, the district leader or the state superintendent or, you know, whatever, folks who are not serving our kids directly, but potentially have the ability to make things easier or harder, you know, for us to do our work. What are some things you would hope for from them or recommend to them? And this is, you know, folks listening from all over, what are the things that they can do to help more educators make these human space, humanizing spaces for kids? You know, I, I, I always struggle with um, offering advice to people who, who know that they have their own answers. You know, I, I mean, I have to tell you, I, I did, a, um, I did a, a, a PD with a group of school leaders and um, half of them didn't even look up at me, right? You know, and I think I put on a good show. I think I'm handsome enough to look at, you know, um, but half of them didn't even look up at me because they're like, here's this guy. He's not even an educator. He was a social worker. He was never a teacher, blah, blah, blah. There's credence to that. I went back to school and got my master's in education so that I didn't look like a complete idiot, right? Um, but I, I, I think you, you have to see yourself as that change unit. You have to own the responsibility of, of being the tipping point, right? You, if it doesn't come from you, it, do, it will never come from anywhere else. I don't tell people that I have 53 people working for me. I work for 53 people. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't stand outside and say, oh, you know, you went 10 minutes over your, cup, your, your free period. Oh, you know, I don't do that. You know, I, I try and get to the, there's always another side to things. The people who are standing in front of our children are humans, right? And they need to be heard and listened to. Our job as school leaders is to make sure it's the right human standing in front of our children. But when we get those right people, we have to take care of them. We have to make sure that they're feeling appreciated. Like I said earlier, um, 
but the, the school leader, whether it's the principal or, or the superintendent or the dean, um, you're in it with them. You're, you're the one they're talking about when you leave the room. So you have to have voices in that room going, no, no, he's not all that bad. He's, you know, he's cutting us some slack or, you know, I empower my staff to give each other a hard, a hard time. I don't know if I can say bullshit, but I'm going to say bullshit, right? You can, you can. Um, we, can put, we, just, we just put the E on the episode, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I gave people license to call people's bullshit out. I would say to them, did you say, Mr. Garcia, so-and-so was late and I had to take their class and blah, blah, blah. Did you call them out on it? Did you say to them, hey, don't do that anymore? Because once you bring it and, and you make it about you, hey, that impacted me in this way. So don't do that again, please. You know, And that gave people a lot of license to just really, it's almost like sibling exchange. You know, don't come to, I, I tell them, don't come to me. No, 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 no. You don't like the way Mr. So-and-so gave all the kids gum before they went to your class. Then you need to go talk to Mr. So-and-so. Don't tell me, you know, um, y'all figure it out and tell him I want gum. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what resonates with me about that uh, is something that we don't talk about a lot. Um, so in organizing, they talk about uh, never doing for people what they can do for themselves. And it's not about being lazy. It's about helping them become leaders. Right. So if every time there's a, a inter-staff conflict, it goes to, through Mr. Garcia, no one becomes a stronger leader. Right. No one develops the muscle to like, hey, to hold the line. So you become like the only one upholding the values and the vision right. and what's important in school. And you have a school, I would say, from, um, you know, whether it's from the staff to the young people, you talked about kids having ownership, but it feels like everyone has a sense of ownership. Right. Right. And I think and that's every, part not of for everyone. I mean, we... I think we're also in a place, you know, 13 years in that we also help people find their way out of our school. You know, you're a great educator. You've got a lot going for you, but maybe this isn't the place that you need to be at and no harm, no foul. You're not a bad person. You just, we need to make sure that the right person is standing in front of our kids at all times. And, you know, if you're, if you came into this profession because you wanted to work nine and a half months out of the year and you wanted to come in at 745 and leave at 215 and that exists it ex and you can go do that somewhere else and probably make more money but you know sorry that's just not and we don't treat people bad about it we don't we just say hey look this isn't a good fit we want it we want you to be happy we want you to be successful this might not be the, the right place for you in which to do that um you know, we, we see a lot of people struggle the first couple of years of education, and you know innately that they're going to be awesome once they get through the first couple of years of burying their own bodies and doing all of that stuff in the <laughs> classrooms, right? But there are some people that you're like, mm -mm, this isn't, this isn't. I can give thing. them a hundred years and they're not going to yeah, get it. They're not going to get it. And so we tell them like, hey, you know what? So-and-so is hiring. You want to go there? We'll help you. You know, um, I, I am. I can say with 100% confidence that there isn't a staff person that has left us in the last 13 years that doesn't take a piece of Segway with them. That doesn't use what they've learned in our school as a practice where they are now. They don't probably, some of them won't give us credit for it. But in my heart, I know that some of the things that we offer to teachers and staff by way of tools and resources and bags of tricks they leave our school making another environment, you know, just as just as well, just as safe, just as, you know, um, 
And, and I, I, I can say that with unwavering confidence. Um, you know, one of the things that I haven't talked a lot about, and then and I, and I would welcome the opportunity if folks want to just reach out to me directly or whatever, but, you know, we're still a school. We still have to produce, you know, we are not dumbing our kids down by making them soft, mushy, emotional, you know, uh, they have to be leaders. They have to learn, they have to function. And, and that is a big responsibility and we don't take it lightly at all. And I think that, you know, loving kids isn't enough. You know, you have to be able to say to kids what you came in with and how you came in as a student is not the way you're leaving here. I have to be able to return children to their parents to say they're gonna be able to compete in high school in the best of high schools and the hardest of high schools because we've gotten them ready. So they're well-rounded individuals, but they're also smart and they're also wise. And they're also, you know, so all of those things, I think we, it weighs on us a lot. It weighs on us a lot. It's not just about, oh, aren't Segway kids really cute in their maroon uniforms? Segway kids are kicking ass. They're, they're like, you know, putting Rycast in a headlock and flipping it over, right? Because we also have to do that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we don't judge the success of our school only by our kids being able to feel safe and loved. We also judge it because when they leave us, they go to the top high schools in the state and they get free rides to Wheeler and they get free rides to Moses Brown um, and LaSalle and St. Ray's because they're competing academically. And that, that cannot be, we are doing a disservice uh, to our children if we're not educating them because they need to be able to compete and they've got to be able to, the stakes are high for them as kids of color, as poor kids, mm-hmm. you know, so they got to be smart. They got to be able to know the difference between, you know, going into a school just to be and going into a school knowing I got strikes against me. So I got to come at these people before they come at me. So we got kids entering freshman year of high school saying to people, talk, talking about your portfolio programming. People go, no, that's not till your junior year. They're like, I did a portfolio in the eighth grade. You know, <laughs> yeah. give, it, give me something, give me something. You know, um, the, the number of kids who come back to us in high school because we have a really so- solid alumni program and they say they're bored because they're not challenged or because they have a Spanish surname. So they were put in a reading 101 and, you know, and then Segway's got to go to bat and say, you can't, you know, you, you can't put that kid there. They were the top kid in our, in our class. Um, you know, we've got it. That, that's not something that we take lightly. And so I don't want folks to, who are listening to come away from, yeah, they're good kids and they say, please, and thank you. And they know how to tie a knot on a tie, you know, our kids are performing. Yeah. And that's the ball game, right? Everything mm-hmm. we do is in service of kids learning. And we've got to get past this idea of socio-emotional learning is siloed. And then, and then we go into academics. No, all of the things we're doing are in service of creating a space where kids can learn. They can deeply engage in high-quality uh, instructional materials and lessons that prepare them for the future that they want for themselves. Yeah, and it's not just um, independent charter environments like this, right? Like, and by ch- independent, I mean like single site or whatever. Yeah. A few years ago, was it DCPS, the dist- you know Washington DC public schools, changed their academic uh, uh, organizational structure to ha- be at a, a there to have like a, a assistant chancellor or whatever it was of social, emotional, ac- and academic 
development, seed. So they saw even at you know one of the largest districts in the country that these are not separate areas. I'm not sure if that's how they do it right now, but you know that's how they were doing it a couple of years ago. So, and, and the one thing we know for sure is when we do separate things, they never end up getting equal or equitable uh, attention or impact, right? Like right. they have to be integrated. Uh, and I think you know, I really appreciate what what Angelo is doing, and I know. Um, Segway is very much a product of where it is, but we, we can learn a lot from, from, um, from that school, from, from, from Angela's leadership and the, the leadership of the teachers in that school. Um, you can learn more about Angelo and Segway uh, by going to our website, theboardofed.com. That's the B-O-R-E-D of ed.com. Um, remember to, to follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at the underscore Board of Ed, and of course, Facebook and LinkedIn, the Board of Ed, B-O-R-E-D. Jonathan, another great yeah. episode. Take us home. Yeah. First of all, I want to just thank Mr. Garcia, Angelo Garcia, founder and leader at Segway IFL. He's uh, been a great uh, friend and mentor to me and to so many people. Um, and he's, as I said earlier, he's bold, he's courageous, he's uh, doing this work like so many of you. Um, he's a funny dude too. I'll tell you this real quick story. One time he sent me to Dunkin' Donuts to pick him up a coffee, right? And, I'm noticing uh, a trend here. <laughs> oh my goodness! I go to the Dunkin' Donuts, and or before I go, I said, "What do you, what, what do you, what do you, what do you like?" And he goes, "Oh, they know. Just tell them it's Mr. Garcia's coffee." So I'm like, "Oh, geez, you know, I don't have a." a drink somewhere where they know what I like. So this is cool. So I go to the Dunkin' Donuts and I ask the young man and he doesn't know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh man, he said, you know, y'all know his coffee. It's Mr. Garcia's coffee. And he's like, has no clue. And so like the manager kind of like observes that we're like kind of at a standstill. So he comes over and he asks the guy, the kid, what's going on? And the kid explains, you know, this guy's looking to pick up Mr. Garcia's coffee. I don't know what that is. And the manager is like, he looks at me like mortified and embarrassed. And then he goes and makes the coffee <laughs> and then he brings it over. So like there was a Mr. Garcia's coffee. The kid was just brand new. And I think that's just like, in a nutshell, Mr. Garcia, he's this larger than life guy yeah. um, who really loves deeply, really cares about his community and is loved by his community. Um, but what I want to point out is that like, you don't have to be Mr. Garcia to do this awesome work right? You, you know, not everyone has, so, you know, some of those character traits that, that larger than life, big, bold self, right? Like just, I'm going to show up hundred percent as me, but however you do, you can love your young people as fiercely as Mr. Garcia does. You can respect and honor the work of your teachers as firmly and um, as committedly as Mr. Garcia does. You can look into your community um, as doggedly and with as much determination as he does to find the assets and not to be overwhelmed by what you perceive as the obstacles is doable, right? You show up authentically in the way that only you can and the way that Mr. Garcia shows up in only the way he can, right? Like don't spend time worrying about whether your style matches up. Just love that hard, work that, you know, determinedly and together we will build the schools that treat our young people as the humans they are and, and give them the education that they deserve. All about it. We'll check you out next time. In the meantime, stay bored. Yeah. Yeah.